Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We've got a great show in store and we are celebrating around here because today is the second birthday of the That Sounds Fun Network. We are really, really proud of those shows. We're honored to get to partner with them and what God has done in the last couple of years. We're really grateful. So happy birthday, That Sounds Fun Network. We love you. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to take a moment and share about one of our incredible partners, Athletic Greens. We're interested in doing anything we can to support our health, especially when it's convenient and delicious, right? Athletic Greens is here to help us do that in one scoop of Athletic Greens mixed in cold water. You're getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. It supports all of these, your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, and focus. AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no bad-for-you chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. It's got a nice green flavor, sort of like a green juice, and it's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews, and it's recommended by professional athletes. They tend to know a thing or two about how to help us move forward in peak performance. Am I right? It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially as we finish up this flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of cold water every day. That's it. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sounds fun. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash sounds fun to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Let's keep talking about how we feed our bodies with today's guest. Today on the show is our good friend, Kendra Adachi. You know her. She is the lazy genius. She was with us back on episode 268, helping us kick off the new year, talking about her first book, The Lazy Genius Way. If you want to go back and listen to that, she is a systems expert and permission giver in the best sort of ways. Her new book, The Lazy Genius Kitchen, just came out this week. It's our guidebook to help us learn to love our kitchens or 
love our kitchens no matter how we feel about cooking. Kendra has personally come to my actual kitchen to help me overhaul my freezer, and boy, did it need it. You can watch the video. We linked it in the show notes below. Y'all, she's brilliant. She's wonderful. You're going to love her practical and gracious approach and her wisdom and friendship. I just adore her. Here's my conversation with Kendra Adachi. Kendra Adachi, welcome back to That Sounds Fun. Annie F. Dales, how are you? You're this just so my good. favorite of all the geniuses. The lazy one is my favorite <laughs> of all of them. I'm just grateful for you. Listen, I'm going to lay a foundation for us that you know that I just need to say. You are not on the show today because I love my kitchen. You're on the show today because I love you. <laughs> it is without question the least used room in my life. <laughs> Which is why I'm so proud of this book, because this book is uh, helpful for people like you who are like, I don't go in the kitchen very much. And then for people who are in there all the time. It's so great. It's true. It's true. Okay, let's talk about my episode. Is it called The Lazy Genius Show? What do you call it? So I know I actually did an interview for our beloved mutual friend, Emily P. Freeman, for her, her yes. next right thing yesterday. And she did this. She asked the same thing. She was like, what's it called? Is it the Lazy Genius Kitchen Show? And I was like, you know what? I haven't, I guess that's what we're going to call it now. <laughs> so yes, Annie, that's what it's called is the Lazy Genius Kitchen Show. Because I have run into like, well, I have a video series and I have a book yeah. by the same name. And so I end up just being like the Lazy Genius Kitchen book. It, like, it's just awkward. So yes, it's the Lazy Genius <laughs> Kitchen Show. It's like Dick Van Dyke. Tell me. Lazy Genius Kitchen Show. Tell me what made you even think up I need to go into my friend's kitchens and make it better for everyone to see. No, this is an excellent question. So two things. One, this is a book that doesn't exist anywhere else. This That's type right. of book doesn't exist, which is a weird thing to say, but I have been wanting this book to be written for a really long time. I want there to be a resource that helps us figure out everything in the kitchen except the recipes. Like there yes. are plenty of those. There are so many recipes. There are so many beautiful cookbooks. We even have a bonus episode that comes out tomorrow where you show me your favorite cookbooks in your not very yes. much used kitchen. And I love it so much. <laughs> and that'll be available on Friday. But I wanted there to be help, like guidance, like some sort of like yeah. really nice, friendly textbook about how yeah. to handle everything else. Because there is so much more than just like cooking chicken. Yeah. And so, <laughs> which even is terrifying to me. I wish, <laughs> I wish I could casually grill a chicken breast, but your girl slices them and dices them because I don't want to poison myself the three times a year I make chicken. This is my favorite. You've said a lot of things that make me laugh, but I really want there to now be, <laughs> and anything, anything that makes me laugh, I immediately want to put on a t shirt. And I want a t-shirt that says, I want to casually grill a chicken breast because it's like, that's, we do, we have this like idea in our head of like, yeah, I just want to like put it, like people look so chill when they're grilling. They're so at ease when they're cooking chicken. And meanwhile, you're like, I'm going to kill humans. I can't do this. The dads on TikTok, they just like grill them on their grill and then they just serve them. And I'm like, no one has put a thermometer in a single one of those. How are the dads Uh, on TikTok more chill about grilled chicken than 40-year-old Annie. It's true. It's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. So anyway, back so back to back to the the reasons. Also, you just we just need to get you a thermometer. We just I need do. to get that you is a, what I do now. Okay, I good. do now. Yes. I learned 165. Yeah. Put that puppy in there, 165. You're all good. Yes. And no, I got no my um my toaster oven slash air fryer 
I used our friend Brie McCoy's yes. code, her affiliate yes. link, because yes. she told me which one to buy. And so I used her affiliate yes. link and got her a couple of dollars. I have the same one. And it is, uh, it's a magical, it's magical little thing. It's yes, so great. It's I know. It's so great. Okay. Continue on with your book. So, sorry. Okay. So I, um, yes, I wanted there to be a book that covered everything else. And I was waiting for someone to write it and no one did. And I was like, well, dang it. I guess I have to write it. And I'm so glad I did because I feel like it's a book that applies to anybody in any season, any skill set, any life stage, any number of people in your house. Like it is an incredibly versatile, personal way for you to make your kitchen work the way that you need it to. It was yeah. very hard to do that. I'm going to say that right now. That is a that was a tall order. And I, I have a lot more gray hairs now than I did <laughs> before I started I writing mean, the book. You- that's it's okay. beautiful. And the way it's laid out, one of the things I love about it is the way it's laid out, there's a lot of graphs and a lot of art and a lot of beauty. I mean, did you just have to like beautiful mind one of your walls in your office? <laughs> I did. In order I to, did. Yeah, you have to because there's so many graphs in a, in this yeah. book. I had no idea. Like things. The one that is how do you roast stuff? And it's just like, here's yeah. how you roast it. Here is how you roast stuff. Yes. It was a labor of mostly love, yeah. some just labor. Because it was so much. And that's that's why it took a lot. I mean, you know this. You are a writer. It's like when we read a book, and I'll get back to the second reason that I shot the videos, by the way. I remember your question. No, no, no. I'm having a great time. When we read a book and it is a delightful experience, it feels effortless to read it. The amount of effort that the author put in to making your reading experience an effortless experience is a lot of effort. Yes. And so, and I don't say that like, you guys feel better, you know, like pity us, it's hard work. Like, I don't mean that. I just mean like, I want this book to not feel overwhelming because there is a lot in it. Well, it's just a direct correlation. How much the author put into the ease of reading is (laughs) our experience of the ease of reading. It's just a direct correlation. Yeah, I know. It's true. And so many of our friends I know love, I'm one of them. I love reading cookbooks. Like it is one of my favorite things. I'll read every word that a cookbook writer writes in their book, even if I only make one recipe in a decade. But yours, (laughs) I've read front to back because it is the cookbook I've always wanted to read without the recipes that I'm not going to make. (laughs) That's, no one has said that yet. And that's like the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. It is. It's like, because it's not, I mean, there are some stories, there are some like personal anecdotes in it, but it's mostly like, okay, let's break this down. Has anyone told you what a spatula is for? That maybe like, (laughs) because I know we all feel silly to ask, but I know not everyone knows. Like, what do you use to toss spaghetti? What do you use to, like, we don't know these things because no Uh one has told us and then we feel really silly asking them. So it is just this, I say that the book is full of kind big sister energy. I just really want to be like, hey, you know what? I got your back. Like, it's all fine. You're doing great. It's okay that you don't know all these things. You don't even have to know these things. Like, pick what you need. If this doesn't matter to you, keep going. Go to the next thing. So anyway, so I wanted there to be that book in the world. But then because that book does not exist anywhere else that I have found, and it's kind of hard to explain, I knew that there needed to be a visual representation of how to apply these five steps that I lay out in the first part of the Lazy Genius Kitchen book. I knew that there needed to be a visual. There needed to be proof. There needed to be like, hey, this is not as daunting as it might feel when I'm trying to explain this book to you. Like this is a process that you can apply to literally anything in your kitchen and or life, but the smaller the problem, the better. And so I wanted to go into the homes of people that I love, that I knew would be fun, that they'd be fun on camera, like all of the things to show people, hey, 
this works. Like, let's do real problems in real kitchens with real people. That it's not like dramatic befores and afters, which are super fun. Those are super fun, but they are not relatable to most of us. And I wanted there to be a show that felt relatable. I feel like my freezer was a dramatic before and after, Kendra. (laughs) I mean, can we just, I'm just going to spoil for people who haven't watched it yet. I mean, I've told everyone to watch it already this week, but in a world where people haven't watched it yet, I'm just going to spoil that I had 15 ice packs (laughs) in my fridge and I do not picnic. I was not, I'm not in constant picnic prep. And yet, I, what I were just, you thinking when that happened? Oh what gosh. were you thinking about me? Annie, when, when, <laughs> when we kept, because what we did is we took everything out, which in a small space, like a freezer, you know, like that is kind of what you do. The five steps. Okay. The number one is yep. to prioritize. You have to name what matters about whatever your problem is. And you were frustrated that you couldn't find anything in your freezer. You just, right. it's like you didn't open it except to put new things in it, but you didn't really Precisely. take anything out. And so we needed to make it so that you could see what was in there. You knew what was there and you weren't overwhelmed by it every time you opened it. Well, the next step, number two, is to essentialize. You need to get rid of what's in the way of that. Usually when you are talking about like a finite space and a tangible space that you're trying to make work, you need to get rid of what you no longer need, of what does not support what matters to you. Because usually what we do is we start with step three, which is to organize. We start with organizing. Yes. And that doesn't work. Because you're just putting things, you said this, I was like, if you organize what you don't need, you're just organizing what you don't need. And you said, what a terrible waste of time. (laughs) In the video, it's like, oh, that's just such a terrible waste of time. And it is. So all that to say, we were cleaning out your freezer. And in the process of cleaning out your freezer, I just kept Which just to be clear to everyone, it's not a deep freezer. It is not a a side-by-side fridge freezer. It is a small one third of the top of your fridge freezer. You can't put a kid in there. It is very no, small. It is a very, very small. small freezer and continue. Yeah. And I kept encountering ice pack after ice pack after ice pack after ice pack. And I was like, why do you have so many why? ice pack? <laughs> like they filled like a solid third of your freezer real estate. Just Without question, giant they did. Without ice question, packs. Did. And when I was like, how many of these do you want to keep? And you're like, zero. I don't need any of them. <laughs> I don't pack coolers. I don't take food places I where know, I need to keep it cold. Like, I don't need any of these. So we literally I threw know. away 15 ice packs. It was unreal. But then you had, see, and that's the thing. You think there were a couple of things that you had in your freezer that you kept there because you felt bad. You didn't want to throw them away because you thought you were supposed to keep them. One of them was the 15 ice packs. The other one of them was your bag of a chicken carcass um, so that you could make your own chicken stock. For the girl who does not use her kitchen to save a chicken carcass is just beyond irrational. And it's like we are told, and you said this in the episode, it's like you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to keep your scraps in a bag. Yes, every woman knows, especially from the South. You keep those bones. You keep them. But if you are not a person who makes your own chicken stock, that does not matter to you. You simply have a bag of chicken bones in your freezer. That's all it is. To be real, those chicken bones came from a rotisserie chicken I purchased (laughs) at the Kroger. It's not even like I cooked the chicken. So the beauty, the beauty of the oh. process, guys, is once we remove the 15 ice packs and the bag of chicken bones, 
and we removed them physically, but we also removed the expectation that you needed to keep them. Yes. Yes. Like it's very, like there needs to be like a side-by-side journey of practicality and permission. Like the removal of those ice packs and of that chicken physically left room for the things that mattered in your freezer. So you could see what you needed in there, but it also removing them from your brain, the expectations and the guilt in your brain was like, oh no, wait, I can just use my freezer the way I need to. I can keep what I need to because it's about what matters to me. It's not about what everyone else says matters to them. And we're trying to like MacGyver it all together. That's how we're all stressed out all the time. And Avi, no, it's been a couple of months since we recorded that. And my freezer is exactly the way you left it. I still is put it because meat. you haven't eaten anything from it. Well, partly, partly. I have added some things. I have taken away a few things. Meat at the bottom, fruits and vegetables at the top, nuts on the door. That is and nuts in the still door. the way it exists right this minute. So you taught me in it's a amazing. way that has remained true. I'm so glad. So our friends listening, I send out an email every Friday called the AFD Weekend Review. And in that email, we tell them who I'm talking to. And they can submit questions. There are a lot of questions about what utensils we, quote, need in our kitchen. And you have a chart. There is a chart for us in the Lazy Genius Kitchen called, Do I Use This? Do I Use This? Will you just kind of talk us through what do we need in the kitchen? The majority of humans use their kitchen more than I do. What do we need in our kitchen? How do we know what we need? What do we not need? Yeah. So this is a question I get a lot. And I think it's an answer that we're hoping gives us a sense of more control in our kitchen. (laughs) Because if we're like, if I have the things that I need, if I have all these tools, it's kind of like if I have all this workout equipment, if I have all of these apps, all these money management apps, like if we have this specific tools that we think we're supposed to have, then we will move forward in this thing that we say matters to us. When actually in reality, that's going in the wrong order. You have to name what matters Uh, first. You have to name what matters first. So for example, I might say to you, oh, an instant pot, dude, so important, so important. And you're like, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think I need that because making food like super, super quickly or setting things early in the day, like that's really not how I eat. Also, I'm like a single person or it's just me and one other person and Instant Pots are really big and like I can't make that much food or I don't have a cabinet big enough to keep one or I don't want to put it on the counter. But if I say with my own personal passion, without the caveat of this is what matters to me, then what you are going to do is you're going to think it should matter to you. Yes, and it we don't shouldn't. Like should people. Yeah. No, you, we don't do that. And so you have to start with your tools with what matters. And another thing that I think is really important to say is that we see lists all over the place. And every cookbook you own probably has an essential tools list. Like these yeah. are the things you should have. If you don't use it, it is not essential. It is only oh, noise. Oh, yes. Yes. Like you have to use it in order for it to be essential. Just because someone yes. else uses it doesn't mean you have to. So I did um, I did an event with Brie McCoy, who yes. before mentioned Brie McCoy last week. And I actually said in a room, you don't even need a knife, potentially. And she like <laughs> broke apart just if a little bit. If you only eat cereal. <laughs> she did. She was like, I'm, I mean, wait, wait. Like she started to kind of oh, panic. Oh, you do her like, voice very well. Thank you. Emily does the best Brie. Emily Freeman yeah. does the best Brie. Outside of Brie. And I do. Yes, the, I, certainly. Emily and I both do Brie to Brie. So right. like, it's a lovely thing. But um, no, so she she started to panic a little bit. And I was like, now, most of you, I do think you probably do need a knife. I think that you're going to need in your cooking to cut things. Most yeah. of us end up needing to cut things. But if you are in a season of life or you have a skill set where you're like, and you have the budget to be like convenience all the way, I'm going to have someone else prep my vegetables for me. 
Like I'm yeah. going to buy things already cut. I'm going to buy frozen onions. I'm going to like, you can do that. Like you could survive without a knife. If you don't use a knife, you don't need a knife. Like it's okay. Even the most essential of tools like a knife, you don't have to have because it depends on what matters to you. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about one of our incredible partners, Ritual. The nutrition provided by the typical American food intake, as we are discussing, has got some serious gaps, right? Over 97% of women between the ages of 19 and 50 aren't getting enough vitamin D and 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated based on exhaustive research so it can help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 plus. It's got nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and to provide antioxidant support. But Ritual does not stop there, you guys. They invest in gold standard university-led clinical trials to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. The findings tell us that their Essential for Women 18 Plus increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. That is impressive. Ritual is committed to third-party testing. They include traceable and vegan-friendly ingredients, and they communicate clearly. These are the kinds of trust-building practices that keep us coming back. My Ritual multivitamins are a part of my daily morning routine. I love knowing that their clean ingredients are helping make my body do what it is meant to do and give me all the things that I'm not guaranteed to get from what I eat. In fact, my package of this month's vitamins arrived today. Right now, Ritual is offering my friends 10% off their first three months. So visit ritual.com slash that sounds fun and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Kendra. I was just going to give you my hot take on Instant Pots and I need you to give me your thoughts back on it. I'm ready. Everyone acts like Instant Pots are so fast. Set it for 15 minutes and it's done. Well, you forget there's a 35-minute ramp up and a 35-minute demystify thing at the end. I'm like, <laughs> y'all are getting tricked. Instant Pots are not that helpful. They are not as, I mean, I get it. You throw your frozen chicken in there with a thing of salsa and you've got a taco when you're done. But it took an hour. It took an hour. <laughs> it did not take 15 minutes, so... I think everybody's tricking everybody about the Instant Pot and everyone's just going along with it. Everyone's just going along with it. You're not wrong. They hit 15 minutes. So they just, everyone goes along. I know. It's not it's true, true, Kendra. It's, you're right. You're absolutely right. There is a uh, page 166 in the Lazy Genius Kitchen does say how to use your Instant Pot. Now, if, so if that is something that's okay. interesting to you, you can yes. look at that. But if you look at that and you're like, I'm, I'm with Annie, this is a conspiracy. This is not real. <laughs> I'm going to just stick to my pan. The greatest great. conspiracy we're dealing with on earth right now. Instant pot. No. Okay, wait, what page is it again? 166. See, I love your tools section. It's like, here's how to use this if you decide you need to use this. If you decide to oh, use it. Yes. So there's yes. in. So let me explain really quickly the breakdown of the book. The book is uh, broken down into three parts. Part one is called The Lazy Genie's Kitchen, and it shares the five steps in detail. Okay. Part two is called have what you need. And it applies those five steps to multiple areas of your kitchen. You know, yes. it's I, I think about it kind of like lecture in lab. 
Part yeah, one is like, okay, yeah. let's just sort of like lay this out. This is sort of what we're working with. Now let's like get get down and dirty with it. Let's, let's sort of figure out how these steps are going to work in all these different areas potentially for you. And then part three is called use what you have. And it is, I call it a beefy appendix, you guys. It is just the beefiest <laughs> of appendixes. And it is just full of like one and two page resources for how to do all kinds of things. And there is a whole thing in part three called how to use your stuff, how to use your yes. stuff. And so I yes. list out, these are the tools for baking. If you're a baker, this is probably what you need. If you're not a baker, skip these things. Tools for grilling. Here's what you probably need and how you'll use it. If you're not a griller, skip these things. I even have, there is one called tools for moving food around. Like yes. there's a section called tools for moving food around because there's so many ways you can move food around and yes. no one teaches us how to do that. And so that's what I, again, I don't want to make anybody feel weird to ask. And so I'm just going to answer the question for you so you don't yep. have to. Yeah, I love it. So your first book, The Lazy Genius Way, just kind of walks us through our whole life. Why was the dial down into the kitchen versus the laundry room or your house? Why didn't you go house? Why did you go straight to the kitchen? Right. No, that's a great question. So the lazy genius way is <laughs> she's like, thank you. I'm very, I, my dad I a loves when people thank say you. that. So it's oh, a that's problem. a great question. Lovely. So yeah, the lazy genius way is 13 principles. It's kind of like the toolkit. It's like the explanation of your toolkit that you can use these principles in any way to lazy genius, anything in your life, to be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't to you. Right it's different for everyone. Now, the more that I sat with this, and I'm sure that you have run across this in your own writing, like when you, you create something and then you talk about it and you sit with it and it starts to kind of settle in a little bit, different pieces start to talk to each other. They're like creating new fun conversations. That is what started to happen with these 13 principles is they started to land in certain orders where like to essentialize and put everything in its place. Those are two lazy genius yeah. principles of the 13. Those go together really well, but you have to essentialize before you put everything in its place. And so yeah. I started to kind of like see these patterns within the 13 principles. And it was very exciting. It was like they came to life again. Well, that paired with the fact that I absolutely am obsessed with the kitchen. I love being in there. I love gathering people. Yes, I love to cook. Yes, you do love it. I do. I love it. But I'm not a person who's like, oh, good. It's five o'clock. I'm so excited. I get to decide what's for dinner. Like we eat spaghetti easily once a week. We eat hot dogs probably yeah. once a week. Like I'm not creating these elaborate, like we eat something green maybe once every 10 days. You know, like <laughs> I, I, that is not my season you of life. You stick in the browns and the reds. <laughs> we are brown, red, like through and through. Deep, deep brown, red. So, which I'm totally fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. Because that is my season. But I still I still love it and I still enjoy being there. And I started to kind of get sad a little bit when I would yeah. see people in my life not experience their kitchen, not enjoy it in any way at any yeah. time. Yeah. And it wasn't that I was like, no, you need to be like me. It was like, no, this is possible. Every person can enjoy their kitchen if they have the permission and the practical tools together yeah to create a kitchen and have a system to live in it day to day that works for them based on what matters yeah. to them. And that's why step yeah. one in all of this is to prioritize. You have to name what matters to you. You can yeah. let go of everything else that actually does not matter to you that might be the most important thing for other people. Yeah. And so because we all eat, like if you think about it, the pervasiveness of food and eating and all of the things that go into that in all of our yes. lives, like it's yes. the, it's like something that joins us all together. It is so it common for all of us. Yes. yes, it has to be done. And yeah. also, I believe it is one of the most human connective things that we can do. Mm. 
Even when we are eating alone, we're cooking for ourselves and we're eating alone, there is still an opportunity. Now, if you don't take that opportunity, it's okay. You're not a bad person. But there is still an opportunity to be kind to ourselves and to personalize our experience in the kitchen and to have a moment with delicious food or just quiet or like watching a show that's fun while we're eating this bowl of something that's really tasty to us. Like there is something incredibly human and important about food and gathering, even if it's just with ourselves. And so those two things together, we're all doing it. And I think it's important for everybody. And we lose a lot of that importance a lot of the time. It just made sense. Like, oh, no. We need a Lazy Genius Kitchen book. Yeah. If I could write an endorsement of all of this, I would say one of the things you have helped me do is I love my kitchen. I just don't use it, but I love it. It is exactly what I need. When I bought my house, I knew I wanted the things I really wanted were this, 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 and the kitchen was at the bottom. And right. I know that all houses need them. It is just not my favorite room. Yes. But man, you've really helped me a lot of your a lot of your lazy genius way things and your podcast episodes and now the book have helped me to really love the kitchen that I have, even if I don't use it. It is still right yes. for me. Yes, absolutely. I think that is like the most, Jamie Golden would say the same thing. She's like, I don't, she always says like, I'm not your target demo. I'm like, well, I mean, I know it's fine, (laughs) but also I think that there is a great importance in what you just said that you can enjoy your kitchen and never use it. Totally. It's perfect for me. Exactly. If that is what matters to you about your kitchen, then you still can create a space that serves that. So enjoying it does not necessarily mean like, I love being in it and I'm always in an apron and I like have dried (laughs) herbs hanging from my ceiling. Like we're not trying to make everybody enjoy it in the same way. You even get to decide what that means. You get to decide what it means to enjoy your space. And if that means that it's like super utilitarian and it keeps cereal and vodka and ice cream, that's wonderful. (laughs) Like you should do that. You should do that. I like that kitchen. That kitchen you speak of (laughs) sounds... Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, but you aren't making recipes. Tell me why creating recipes isn't a high priority to you, but making our kitchens right for us is. Because recipe creation, you are friends with people who are food writers and recipe developers, and it is a lot of work. It is a Uh lot of work to do that. And I don't cook with recipes generally. I'm a riffer. You know, I'm like, these things go together. Yeah. That's one of the two recipes that's in the book. There are two recipes in Lazy Juice Kitchen. Just two. Just two. Change Your Life Chicken. Change Your Life Chicken. Yes, that's in there. it. Change Your Life Chicken. Yes. Change Your Life Chicken. And then also a Thanksgiving turkey. That is my Lazy Genius Thanksgiving turkey, which is the most delicious turkey. It is the easiest thing on the planet. Anybody who's never cooked a turkey before could cook this turkey, and it will turn out perfectly for you. People have been making it for years. And every Thanksgiving, I just get like a slew of DMs are like, this turkey was perfect. I'm so thank you for so much for this turkey. So those are both in there because they're in the beefy appendix. There's a bit about how to host Thanksgiving because we need help with that kind of thing. Like how do we systemize hosting Thanksgiving? We need some help. Yeah. So anyway, it's not that I'm like, I never open a cookbook or I don't ever cook from recipes, but I am, even though I just said I don't cook from recipes, it's more that like, I trust my intuition more than I trust the words on the page. So I am not following a recipe like verbatim. I will eyeball ingredients. I will know like, oh yeah, that chicken looks good. Or I would rather simmer this meat in this sauce rather than brown it first because that's quicker. And I don't have to dirty up another plate to remove the chicken and then make the sauce and then put it back in. You know what I'm saying? Like I have kind of learned what works for me and I trust my intuition. It's not that I don't trust the recipe, but I trust my intuition first. 
And so because of that, it's just not a way of cooking that I generally rely on. And I hope that this is very permission giving to anyone listening who's in the same boat. My priority right now in the meals that I make, in the shopping that I do, and how I'm planning all of it is I like things to be as easy as possible. I need easy food right now because my life does not have a lot of margin for like complication. Yeah. So because of that, I don't make new things. I make one new recipe maybe once every, I don't know, three, four weeks. Yeah. Everything else is just like, we have this a lot and we're just going to yeah. keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I don't care. Yeah. That's our season that we're in. It's great. Sell me on how to make change your life chicken. Sell me on chicken thighs over chicken breast. Why? Oh, okay. So I know this why? is a hot take you have. Tell me why. <laughs> so do you dislike chicken thighs? I like white meat in general, so I usually pick chicken breasts. Uh huh. Is it because it's, you think it tastes better? Like, why do you pick? Yeah, it? I think that's what I think. I think that's what I think. Then you should. Then you should make chicken breasts. Okay. <laughs> okay. But like you are like a you stand for chicken thighs. Oh, I do. I do. Big, big evangelist. Big thigh evangelist. Yes. Big time. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's because I think they taste better. For okay. one, I like dark, I prefer dark meat over white meat. I do like white meat. I like it's fine. But I think the other thing is that they're cheaper. Dark uh-huh. meat is generally cheaper than white meat. Oh. And dark meat is much, much more forgiving to cook. It, it's mm. like, you know how chicken bre- chicken breasts are like avocados? You have a very small window That's before right. it's either like, oh, this is gross. It gross either way. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Uh, chicken breasts are that way. And it's hard to make them where they're tender. And I do not yeah. like tough meat. Like I really want it to be like tender and unctuous and like all the things. Uh-huh. More people need to use the word unctuous as I just I said agree. that out loud. I haven't I heard agree. that in a long time. So that's why I love them because they are cheaper. To me, they taste better and they're more forgiving. But if you prefer the taste of white meat, that's what you should make because that's what And I can use the change your life chicken recipe with white meat. You can. You just have to make sure the key with change your life chicken, guys, it is not change your life chicken if the chicken does not have a bone in it and skin on it. Those are requirements. Requirement. Okay. Otherwise, you're just making oh. something different. You're just making yes. something different. Okay, great. Well, I love a chicken breast bone skin, so I'm very interested. From our questions that people sent in through the AFD Week in Review, multiple people also said, hey, I'm single, I live alone, and I like cooking, but cooking for one sucks. And so that's probably a little bit of where I've gotten, like, I, my mom and grandmothers taught me how to cook. I, just like, how long do I want to eat that pot of soup is the question, right? Like, <laughs> how much unction do I have in my body to eat nine <laughs> servings of soup? And so what's your lazy genius way for people who are only cooking for themselves or, you know, Brie only cooks for Brie and Jeremy. Like, it's just, right. she only cooks for two people. I only cook for one or two people. What's the lazy genius way to cooking and enjoying it when you aren't necessarily cooking for more than yourself and you don't want to invite eight people over and you don't want to deliver four pots of soup to four other friends after you make it. <laughs> I made dinner for myself, guys. Who's hungry for a week? Yeah, that's it's right. Kind of a, that's it. Right. Okay, I have a couple of thoughts and I'll just sort of okay, like uh, run through them real quick. One is, I think there are certain meals that are hard for one person to cook like soup, unless you have a freezer. With space. With space in it. If you cook for yourself and you do not have a freezer, you have to change your choices. You just have to change your choices. sure. Right? Because it's like, well, you just freeze the leftovers. Well, I don't have a freezer. Well, then just eat the leftovers. I don't want to eat soup for nine days. Then maybe (laughs) soup is a food you order. Because we all want to eat soup, but soup is a food you order. Right? Or you can look for, when you look for soup recipes, if you really like soup, like for example, Kate Strickler of Naptime Kitchen. I bet a lot of people who follow you love her. She has a recipe for black bean soup 
that you could, it's like mostly canned things and you could just use the right ratio of cans and you could make a smaller batch where it's like yep. just a couple of servings of that. And it's great. Yep. So that's one thing is to pay attention that some kinds of meals are not as suitable for someone who is just them especially if you do not have a freezer, you don't want to eat that thing forever and just release yeah. that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, another thing that I would say is the grocery store salad bar is like a really, really solid way for you to do one person prep. Let's say you're doing stir fry. You get I've a piece of chicken thought of this. and go to the salad bar and just be like, oh, here's some mushrooms. Here's some carrots. Here's some broccoli. Cool. And you take it home and you stir fry it and then you're done. You guys, you should see her face. You should see her face. We, <laughs> we do not deserve you. We do not deserve you. Why am I not using the salad bar to use meet bar. a lot of my needs? Yeah. I can make a salad. Bar. I can make a stir fry because one of yeah. our friends who wrote in is like, I hate chopping vegetables. I'm like, go to the salad bar. Go to the salad Indra. bar. Because yeah. you know your girl Annie works that whole food salad bar because that is <laughs> yes, hot and does. cold. And that is down the street for me. You know, it's I can walk there. Yes. So yeah. I, I'm a part of that life. 2020 yes. was hard. Because yeah. they closed down salad bars. <laughs> but we could be using our grocery store salad bar. Yeah. Especially because there are definitely containers of prepped food. But even for one person to buy like the small bag of chopped peppers or whatever, it's still a lot yeah. of peppers. Yeah. So yeah. you could go walk down to your Whole Foods and you're like, I'm getting lunch today. I'm getting my soup. I'm getting my container of soup. Because I yeah. want soup, my one but I don't want to make a giant soup. pot of it. Right. <laughs> you get your soup, you can make a salad, and then you get another clamshell, and you gather, you know, the things that you need for your stir fry that night. Clamshell. Isn't that what they're called? You I think that's what they're called. clamshell. It is. I mean, I don't know if that's what it's called, but in an instant, I knew what you meant. So that's yes, all that yes. matters. That's all that matters. And here's the thing I want to say about the salad bar before we leave that is this. There is something deep in our brains that convenience is like so much more expensive and you're going to be in the poor house if you have yes. someone else cut your vegetables, which I realize is like a real thing. How many nasty bags of wilted lettuce have you thrown away? How right. many rotten things of broccoli have you thrown away? How many moldy carrots have you thrown away? You guys, you are throwing away way more money than you would spend that extra pennies of yeah. like what it is by weight. If you go to yep. the salad bar, like I promise you, I promise you that when you name what matters to you, which is like, I don't want to have a lot of food waste. I don't want to spend a lot of money on all these things. Like probably your alternative, if you're like, well, I don't want to cook. I don't want to chop things is you're doing takeout, which is way more expensive than getting things from the salad bar anyway. Yes. So like, don't like I'm giving you permission. It's not as expensive as you think. It's probably going to save you money anyway. And it might actually like be delightful that you get to cook at home for yourself without nine days of leftovers on occasion. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation one last time to tell you about one of our incredible partners, ZocDoc. Listen, no one knows what you're looking for in a doctor better than you. And no one's better at giving you the tools to find the perfect doctor than ZocDoc. The people who created ZocDoc found the major pain points in healthcare, all things that weren't working. And they said, okay, no more, we're gonna fix it. And they made booking a great doctor surprisingly pain-free. Finding and booking a doctor who's right for you doesn't need to be a major challenge. Will they take your insurance, understand your needs, or be available when you can see them? With ZocDoc, the answer can be a refreshingly pain-free yes. And you can focus on doctors who are in-network, which matters to me, and it puts you on the path to see the doctors who are right for you and who actually take your insurance. No more wasting time with out-of-network providers. 
ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, takes your insurance, and are available when you need them. You can read up on local doctors, get verified patient reviews, and see what other real humans had to say about their visit. So when you walk into that doctor's office, you're set up to see someone in your network who gets you. So go to ZocDoc.com and choose a time slot and whether you want to see the doctor in person or on video. And just like that, you're booked with the appointment that works for your schedule every month. Millions of people use ZocDoc, including me. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a new doctor. In the chaotic world of healthcare, let ZocDoc be your trusted guide to find a quality doctor in a way that is surprisingly pain-free. So go to ZocDoc.com slash that sounds fun and download the ZocDoc app for free. And then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available in like 24 hours, y'all. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash that sounds fun. ZocDoc.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Kendra. Okay, two of your podcast episodes that have really impacted me that go along with kitchen and eating and food is when you talk about how we lazy genius about our bodies and how we talk about our bodies or don't talk about our bodies. So talk a little bit for a minute, if you can, about like, what if our kitchen issues are body issues? Oh, what if our man. like cooking issues or body issues? How do we, yeah. how do we let those things meet? Because we can't not eat food. And for some of us, food is the problem. Yeah, and we yeah. can't not have it. Oh, that's such a good question. And I feel woefully, woefully underqualified to answer it because I'm not, I think it's important to say I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. I don't have any training in any of these things. I only have anecdotal experience and what I have personally read and, you know, learned from other people who are way smarter than me in this. So all that giant caveat to say, that is such a real thing. And when we go through the five steps, when you start with what matters, yeah. if you have not done kind of your own personal work and like slow untangling, which is kind of, I think, a lifelong process in many ways. If you have not done that slow untangling of like, huh, is my body good wow. just as it is? Is my body good? Is it good as it is? Do I need to change it in order for it to be valuable again? Do I have a lot of messages in my brain about what diet culture has said about food Yeah, for a long time, you know, that, that I need to I don't know. I don't want to like downplay valuable things that are helpful to other people, like eat good fats at every meal or eat this, right. you know, snack on proteins or, you know, I remember even in your episode that you have nuts in your freezer because you snack on nuts if you're yeah. like, you know, hungry in between. And that can be an excellent thing if you like nuts. If you like them. But guess yeah. what? But guess what? Guess what? If you have nuts in your freezer or your fridge to snack on, because that is what a lot of nutritionists have told you to do, but you don't like nuts and it's not fulfilling, you're just going to have a freezer full of nuts and yeah, guilt right. because that's you're not right. snacking the way that you're supposed to. That's so right. it's kind of like, so when you talk about what matters, if you are saying that one of your highest priorities is health, I would just invite you to spend some time thinking about what that means. Wow. Because I think that health, healthiness is very convoluted in our heads yeah. and in our culture. Yeah. And we focus more on health than we do on listening to our own bodies. And I talk about, I have talked about that before where it's like, you know, this idea of intuitive eating, for example, where you're listening to what your body needs. People will always respond to me and say, but I don't trust my body. My body, if I let my body say what it wants to do, I'm just going to eat Oreos all day. And I want to say, well, maybe that's true because your body needs to know for a stretch that you are still good if you do eat Oreos yeah. more, more yeah. than, you know, people have told you to, but also 
your body is good and your body wants to function and we all need different things to function. And the more that you practice, and this is a, this is a lazy genius principle, start small. You're not going to yep. fix this in one podcast episode or overnight or one fridge overhaul or whatever it is right, to right. go to start small with just your choices where you're just paying attention to what your body needs. So yep. like there are times, there are times where at night I will go, oh man, I really want some ice cream. And I will listen to my body because I eat ice cream most days. Because usually yeah. my body's like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. And right. sometimes though, because I've I have turned 40, I've I have I turned 40 a few months ago. And I don't know about you, but when I turned 40, my body was like, hey, you're so pretty. Hi. We're changing everything now. <laughs> we don't do anything the way we used to do it. You're welcome. It is like we got off one roller coaster and got on another one. And it no was one ridiculous. Told us. It was yeah. so ridiculous. <laughs> so weird. So I am currently like, like being like, hey girl, how you doing? Uh, you are, con you're speaking a new language now. I don't know. I don't know what we're after. I used to so, know you. What, who I used are to know you? you and yeah. I don't anymore. And yep. she used to be like, we love ice cream yep. every day. Yep. And sometimes I would eat a lot. Sometimes I would eat a little. I would just pay attention to what, like it, it's okay. Like I find, I personally find conversations and prescriptions and directions around portion control to be kind of triggering for me Yeah. because someone else telling me how much of something I should eat is not listening to my body. It's listening to them. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. want to listen to my body. I want to trust my body first. But now my body is more often being like, hey, dairy's good. But like, if you eat it after three, we kind of have a hard time. Yeah. So like, <laughs> let's not have ice cream today. Let's have something else. You know, like yes. just trying to start small with paying attention to these small cues, just giving it a beat, just paying attention because sometimes I will literally imagine, I'm like, okay, well, what if I eat this? How am I going to feel? If I eat this, how do I think I'm going to feel? And I'm I'm not kidding you guys. Like I will have these sort of little like sparks where my body's like, oh, that's what we want. That's what we want. Let's do that. Yeah. And you know how, like, if you think about when you're sick, sorry for talking about being sick, like, but when you think about being sick and you're like, oh, yeah. if I even thinking about eating that makes me, my body react, our bodies do that every day. Wow. It's just a stronger signal when we're sick. So I think yeah. stepping back and just learning to listen and pay attention to your body is really, really helpful. Back to your question about like where, like if food is the problem and part of the reason we're unhappy in our kitchens is because we have a lot of these issues around food. I just want to give you like the greatest, widest birthing uh, permission to say to yourself, like, you're not going to, well, I was going to say, you're not going to fix this overnight. You're not going to fix it ever because you're not something to fix. This is simply just something to pay attention to. And the more you do, and the kinder to yourself you are in that, that is another lazy genius principle, to be kind to yourself, the kinder you are in that process. If even if you're like, no, I'm going to have this salad. Also, there is a thing in the lazy genius kitchen about how to make salad because you guys are making salads probably in a way that makes them gross. Like if you yes. just put all your big chunks of vegetables in a bowl and you drizzle your olive garden, like yep. light olive garden bottle dressing over it in a tiny bowl, and then you just sort of like fork toss it, you're just going to get angry. You're doing it, it wrong. It, yep. You're doing it wrong. It doesn't have, it doesn't it, like, so there's a whole thing about like, here's how you make a salad and it's, yep. it's delightful. But back to, if you're still just like feeling, I don't want to say in bondage because that feels like really strong language, but if you still feel more connected to your food choices every day, especially ones that you have had in your head as healthy ones, if you yeah. still feel more connected to those than you would like, you can start small. You can go through these five steps and you can say, okay, priority. If I'm prioritizing this, what matters about this? What matters is that I begin 
the journey, the kind, slow journey of trusting my body. Okay, number two, essentialize. What's in the way of that? Hmm, what's in the way of that? Maybe it's these cookbooks that like every single piece of information is about how many calories are in it and what your portion size is and all those things. Like maybe we put those away for now. Let's put those away. You know, like it's, you you can still five-step that. It's just a little more intangible and like personal than your freezer. Yeah. That was a lot of words. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's what I wanted. <laughs> My counselor the other week said to me, the greatest gift I'm going to ever give you is to tell you, this is always going to be hard. And I was like, thank you. Like, we just keep (laughs) acting like one day I'm going to, me and food and my body are going to like, finally, I broke the code. And instead, she's like, this is not a code to break. This Mm -hmm. is kind of one of your things. It's probably never going to be easy. But you are not going to spend the next seven decades of your life the way you spent the first four. And so, you know, like, man, it is, it has been a gift. And that is, I, thank you for talking about that because one of the things I, I don't want people to miss out on the lazy genius kitchen because they're figuring out how to love and live in their body. It's just such Absolutely. a fun book. Don't miss out yeah. on it because of how you feel about food. It's not about food. Yes. It's about yes. your drawers and it's about yes. your cabinets and your pans and your pots. So it's yes. wonderful. Kendra, yes. It's wonderful. It's, thank you. Thank you. I think that's a really good thought. So we are told as authors And as writers and communicators in general, and a lot of people have jobs that have similar things to this, where it's like, you can't please everybody, right? You can't please everybody. You can't write a thing that's going to make everybody happy. When you write a book, you write it to one specific person, and it will impact a lot more than that one specific person. But the more specific you are, the more resonant your message tends to be. So yeah. my, my, me positing here, what I'm about to say to say like, Hey, I actually think I did write a book for everybody. <laughs> it's a little bit unhinged, but, um, <laughs> but I really think I did because my guess is you might say, well, I'm a, this, I'm a homesteader. Yeah. I don't need this. I don't really use my yeah. kitchen. I don't need this. I have a hard relationship with food. I don't need this. If I had the ability to give everyone a money back guarantee, I would do it. Yeah. That's yeah. how confident I am and how personal yes. and versatile and helpful this thing is because it is, there's so much tangible stuff in it, but there's also so much permission in it. It's like, yeah. it is the textbook on how to be a person in your kitchen. Yeah. And we all get to decide what that means for us. And I want to help. That's right. It's really fun. It is such a good book, Kendra. Okay. You know, the last question we always ask because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what sounds fun to you. Napping for like 20 days in a row. You're so close. Annie, I'm so tired. I know. I I'm know. So you have worked so hard on a book. The thing people don't realize is you've worked incredibly hard on a book launch that has been moved. So you've worked hard on a book launch that got moved later. I need you to know how much I understand because we had to reschedule a tour where I worked really hard on a tour and then two weeks before we moved it. And and so you worked twice as long on one thing. So here's the analogy that always worked for me when, because you guys, my books were lost at sea. Uh, There are thousands of copies at the bottom of the ocean. It is a whole contingency that we did not plan for. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. Are there some at the bottom of the ocean? Some of them didn't make it? 10,000 books are at the bottom of the sea. Okay, okay, okay. It's a lot of books. So anyway, it's fine. It's all fine. It's all fine. But we, yeah, we had to move the book launch like ahead six, seven weeks or something like that. But we were in like this holding pattern for a while of do we move it at all? Like, I don't know what we're going to do. And the analogy that came to mind when we share an agent, when Lisa uh, called me and was like, hey, I have... um, I have some news. I have some interesting news to share with you. Your The boat carrying your books was in a storm and cargo is at the bottom. And we don't know if yours is there or not. Like, right. we don't know if your books are dry. And when we were in that holding pattern, I remember thinking it's like I had been planning a wedding. 
It's something that like you look forward to, you hope for, and you like put a lot of energy into it. It's also really stressful because there are a lot of details or a lot of people involved. There's like so many, so many wheels spinning, right? There's so many things that you're managing. And what it felt like is that I was in the room. I was in my dress. I had my girls with me and they were dressed too. We were about to go take pictures. And then the wedding planner walked in and was like, Hey, what's up? Someone kidnapped your husband. And we don't know if he's going to come back or not. We don't know if they're going to bring him back. We don't know, but you need to yeah. sort of stay in your dress and hang out here until we know what's going on. <laughs> stay in your dress until we know something. That's awful. And like, we're going to keep the venue open. People are sort of coming. We might have to send them uh-huh. home. I'm not really sure. Like, that's how it felt where it was like, wait, what? Like, we yeah. don't have a better plan than this. Like, it was right. so overwhelming. It was so overwhelming. And um, and so I'm glad that like, we're, you know, going to get married and it's going to be fine. Um, yes. Like, we have a day and all the things, but it really was. It was very... Mm, unsettling and speaking of unhinged, like it really did feel like it was, it unhinged me in a really hard way, but it was, it was also beautiful because, because I was able to personally literally use those 13 lazy genius principles to make the process work, you know, to be like, okay, this doesn't matter anymore. This does. How do we do this? How do we make this work? And, and then I got to like sort of show that in small ways to my community and and it was really you like it beautifully. Yeah. And it felt a little weird to be like, okay, guys, this is how you lazy genius is a hard thing. But at the same time, we need people to show us how to do things. Yes. And it felt important to kind of to model that. And so it was really a gift to be able to do that. And I'm so glad that we are like here now, that the yeah. book is here, that it's in yeah. people's hands finally. It has been, as they say, a journey. Yes. It's been a journey. Are you a real napper? Do you are you like a 20 minute napper or a two hour I'm a napper? 17 minutes. 17 minutes, Annie. Oh, to I knew the that. Tea. It's in your yes. book. I knew that. It's I in my book. That. 17 minutes. Minute. Yes. I have a white noise machine on my phone. So I set a timer for 17 minutes. And here's the thing about 17 minute naps. You have to feel tired. You can't just force a 17 minute nap. Okay. You have yeah, to, yeah. it's like when your your eyes are a little drowsy, you're like, yep. oh yeah, I could probably fall asleep right now. Go lay down, set your timer on your phone for 17 minutes, turn on a white noise machine. And there is something really magical about, that's a magical time for me. I yeah. drove home from DC last week and I yeah. was so tired. I stopped three times and I took three 17 minute naps in shady parking lots. <laughs> I always think people are dead when they do that. It's so bad. <laughs> always like they're napping or dead. I don't know. Yes, I don't know. I'm going to keep driving. Should I? Yeah, exactly. Can't, <laughs> no, I don't know I'm just what my gonna, role here is. God knows everyone. That's I have to say these things to myself. God knows everyone. He knows that person's details of their life. I don't. So I'm going to keep driving. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. But yes. Well, this book, friend, I just, I'm so glad people can get it this week. And I, I'm just ready. I'm ready for all my girls who don't use their kitchen to love it. The women and men who do use their kitchen to love it. I mean, I just think, I think it's awesome. Thanks for writing Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate it so much. And if you're someone who I feel like this book is like perfectly situated for anyone in a transition graduating high school and going to college, graduating college and getting your first apartment, having a new baby, like all of these different like life stages that seem to happen around this time of year. Our kitchens need to transition with us. And I really feel like the tools in this book can, can help people do that. So uh, if you're, if you're in if you're in the market for a a gift for a gift for somebody who's in that stage, in a stage like that, I highly recommend this. And also hello, Mother's Day. Amazon can get you things. Hello, Mother's Day. Thanks for doing this, friend. I love you. I'm grateful. Thank you for having me. Oh, you guys, don't you love her? My gracious, she's so smart and so helpful. And as we said at the beginning, she's a permission giver. She's giving us permission to have the kitchen that we need. This book is beautiful. 
and fun to read, and I've learned a ton. You need to grab your copy of The Lazy Genius Kitchen. Follow Kendra on social media. Tell her thanks so much for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is our whole staff and lots of the That Sounds Fun Network hosts and producers are all going to a Nashville Sounds baseball game tomorrow night. So what sounds fun to me today is making sure my t-shirt is clean and we are ready to go. I am real excited. So that's what sounds fun to me is celebrating the second birthday of the network. Y'all have a great weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all of you who are mothering out there. We'll see you back here on Monday to talk a lot about Mother's Day with the lovely Kirsten Watson. Yes, Benjamin Watson's wife. You know I love these Georgia Bulldogs. She will be with us on Monday. Y'all are going to love her. Okay, so y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>